0: Of you, and I pray that you had a, uh, a good Thanksgiving uh, celebration, whether that is just with the, the people that live in your home uh, by yourself or, or with extended family and friends. Pray that uh, it was a time where you could uh, focus and refocus, and that's kind of what we're going to be doing today as well as we sort of finish up this Thanksgiving weekend for 2014. Like I said before, we started this little thankful series on Wednesday night, and, and Pastor Matt did a great job of reminding us of something that, that Paul had written, and his theme was, you know, I will choose thankful. And today we're going to sort of piggyback on that and to just really be encouraged with, um, do I have things to be thankful for, and kind of unpack that. Now. Before we do that, I'm going to do something that I know all of you love. I'm going to give you an opportunity for class participation again this week. And it really is kind of around that, just a very simple question that I want you to share with someone that you didn't come to church with today, okay? So if families might need to sort of turn around or look forward or whatever it might be. But I'd like you to share with someone sitting near you, you didn't come to church with, one thing that you're thankful for from this past year specifically. Over the last 12 months, what's one thing that you're thankful for? It could be something that happened to you, it could be some good news, it could be something that you received, but share with someone sitting around you one thing from the past 12 months that you're thankful for. This is a good exercise, okay? All right, we got about a minute or two. Go ahead if you could and do that. Thank you very much. <laughs> With darts? Darts? Yeah. 15 seconds or so well thank you for taking a little bit of time to get out of your comfort zone I think you just discovered that the people sitting near you are really nice you know and to talk to them wasn't so bad um, which is a good thing Uh, You know, here's why I wanted us to do this. One of the many reasons is this, that I think that our tendency in life, and it may not be as much during Thanksgiving week, but just our tendency in life, is that we tend to concentrate and focus most of our thinking, most of our energy, and most of our attention towards the things that we don't like about our life or the things that are bothering us or the things that we're frustrated with and spend a whole lot less time Just thanking God for a lot of things we take for granted. And the reason why we take them for granted, I think one of them is because we get used to the things that we have, we get used to the life that we have. I remember traveling to Salt Lake City about 10 years ago or so for a buddy's wedding. His, his fiancée was from Salt Lake, and if you've ever been there, it is breathtaking, that city, kind of in the middle of some mountains that surround it. And I, I just could not like concentrate on the road. Uh, Thankfully, I was riding, not driving. I was just looking at the mountains while the, the fiance who had lived there for her entire life was oblivious to this beautiful scenery. Why? Because she got used to it, right? And you get used to the things that you have. You get used to um, the things that are in your life, the, the blessings. You get used to having clothes in your closet and lots of them. You get used to going to the refrigerator. And for the most part, unless you haven't grocery shop that week, there's food in there. You get used to that. And the result is that getting used to things tends to spawn us being ungrateful. It just kind of happens. We don't set out to be ungrateful or unthankful. It just just happens over time. We become blind to all the blessings that we have. I remember having my eyes opened to blessings when I went to uh, college. And uh, you got to know something about my family life growing up. It was wonderful. (laughs) I had great parents. I had an awesome family. Um, and it was one of those types of families where when you went to the fridge, there was food there, right? It's taken care of. And when I had holes in my socks, I let my personal assistant know, um, my mom. And, and socks just magically appeared in my drawer in a week or so. The, the laundry just got done. Now, as I got older, I had to fold it. But the laundry got done. They let me use a car during high school gave me their credit card to fill it up my dad would stay up late if i needed help with homework and he could tell that i was stressed by it my mom would take care of me when i was sick and just really pour love into me at those times i mean if you have a good family what a blessing huh I mean, you try to find someone that you can, uh, that will volunteer to pay for everything you need for the first 20 years of your life, you know? Try to find that. It's your parents, right? So I went to, when I went to college, I remember vividly the first time I got sick at college and I had one of those sore throats that you can't even like swallow your saliva because it just hurts so much, and I don't know what it was like in, 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 in your dorm if you went to college, but in, in my dorm, uh, all guys, obviously, um, you know, when someone's sick, dudes don't come around asking, hey, can I help you, right? What they do is they, like, get out of there. They stay away from you because they don't want to get what you have, and you end up sleeping by yourself in the dorm room because your roommate, you know, runs, Right? And I remember one night being um, with that sore throat the first couple months I was in college in that time frame, laying all alone in my room, not being able to swallow, and just being overcome with gratitude and thankfulness for my mom, and wishing I was home, because it would be so much better, and I'm mad enough to admit it, I think uh, I even shed a tear or two, or at least my eyes watered. That's as much as I'm going to admit to that. But you get what I I mean? The thing about thankful is that if we don't stop to consider what we have, our tendency will always go towards being ungrateful or not thankful enough, so to speak. Sometimes we just need to stop and think about how blessed we are. And in fact, so that kind of leads to our first fill-in, that thankful, as we finish out this thankful series, it may require perspective, that is, a new perspective. In order to be thankful, it may require for you a different perspective. It may require... <laughs> the real perspective that we've forgotten or ignored. Thankful sometimes what it requires is some perspective. And that's what we're going to get today by looking into the life of a woman in the Old Testament. She she lived about 800 years before Jesus lived, and we don't even know what her name was. She went by widow, at least in the Bible. And we know what town she was from. The town she was from was Zarephath. And we know that there was a prophet at the time, a spokesman of God named Elijah, whom that name or that person you've probably heard of before. And Elijah was a prophet or a spokesman of God during um, a really bad time in in Israelite history. So if you know anything about the Israelites, uh, their uh, life of faith was kind of like this. Okay, so they would would walk closely to God, and then they would fall away, and God would send judgment or some difficulty, and then they would come back. Well, at the time of Elijah, they were in one of these. And what made things even worse was that the king in control of Israel, or in power, was the worst king of all the kings Israel ever had. And his wife was worse. In fact, they're so bad that you would never name your children after them. There are no, I don't think you probably know anyone named these two names, but people sometimes may name their dogs after them. Um, Ahab and Jezebel were their names, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And because of Israel's wandering, because of how bad and ungodly this king and queen were, God sent a major drought. It says... 1 Kings that there was no dew or rain for years. And so without food or without, without rain, there is no food, exactly. And this was something Elijah had to endure too, God's prophet, God's spokesman. But God took care of Elijah, and for the first couple years, he fed Elijah, I don't know, does anyone remember how Elijah was fed at the beginning of this drought? By ravens. Big ravens brought Elijah sandwiches every day, which is kind of cool, huh? (laughs) But then the ravens stopped doing that and God said, I have a different plan for you. I want you to go to a town called Zarephath and there's a widow there and she's going to feed you. And that's where we pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 17. Begin with verse 8. The word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So Elijah goes, verse 10. He went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to go get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. Well, Elijah gets to the edge of Zarephath, and just like God had said, there was a widow there. And so Elijah is expecting what God had said, which was that this widow was going to take care of him and give him the food and water that he needed. So as you might imagine, Elijah was really hungry, I'm sure, after having little to nothing in his stomach and traveling for a couple of days. So he sees the widow. And as I read this, I, I don't know why I just envision like Elijah at a restaurant, right? Uh, yeah, no soda, but give me some, uh, I'd like some water. And then as the waitress leaves, oh yeah, and could you bring me some breadsticks? You know, give me a piece of bread as well. And if it wasn't a restaurant, the, the waitress would say, all right, coming right up. But That's not how the widow responded. Verse 12. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering right now a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now, It's one thing to make bread and supply food for someone when you have plenty of things in the cupboard. It's another thing to do it when you have nothing. And understand, uh, for this widow to be pretty sure that after they eat this meal, they're going to die, it's not just like she's a little hungry at that point. She's been rationing food, likely, for months. She's probably, what's left of her is skin and bones and ribs. And she's going to make one more meal, and then she's pretty sure, unless the rains would come, that not only her, but her and her son would die. And then you got this guy, Elijah. It's like, hey! Bring me some water. If it's not too much trouble, bake me some bread too. And you can imagine all the emotions that would be welling up in this lady, huh? I mean, first of all, sadness in the sense that she knew she was likely going to die. Probably even a worse sadness, and you know this if you're have if you a parent, would be the thought that her son would die and she would likely watch it or die first to not be there when he died. And what was also probably welling up in her is a little bit of frustration with this guy who's yelling at her to bring her bread. Don't you know? Don't you understand that I don't have anything to give? Verse 13, but Elijah said, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said but first make a small cake of bread for me. So go home, use your flour and oil to make some bread for yourself. But before you do that, use that oil and flour first to make me something. (laughs) And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, that the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. Now, that sounds like a great promise. Only one problem. How many of you have ever had a jar of oil that never emptied? How many of you have ever had a jug or jar of flour that never emptied? Okay, she didn't either. She had never had that either. So do you know what it would take for her to use the last little bit she had to bake it and then give it as opposed to bake it and eat it with her son? It would take an amazing faith, an amazing trust that God would do this thing that she had never seen happen before. So does she do it? What does she do? Verse 15. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So... There was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. (laughs) So God does this amazing miracle. And do you know what he's doing for the widow through that miracle? You know what he's providing for her? Bread, duh. Right, bread, but. He's also providing something else. Not in necessarily what he did, but how he did it. You see, um, God could have given this widow bread in lots of different ways. He could have given her the costco size olive oil jug you know like you have to you know, use both hands to move it right she could have had a whole you know big huge closet full of flour that's not what he did it sounds like he just gave her enough for that day and so every morning she goes to sleep and likely we don't know for sure but likely that flour and oil was gone or almost gone and she wakes up the next morning, she looks in the jar, and there's oil there, and there's flour there. And through that, the way that God did it, you know what he was providing for her? Perspective. And through that daily perspective of knowing that it has to be God That's going to give me oil because I had none when I went to sleep. You know what? She also got out of that thankful. Every day, every morning, as she looked in the jar and there was just enough for the day. You know what she was? She was thankful even if our theme was just enough. Thankful even if it's just enough. Our second fill-in on the screen here. So thankful recognizes God's daily blessings. To be thankful, one of the things we need to do is recognize his blessings every single day of how he takes care of us. And how does he take care of us That's the widow. How does he take care of us? Um, (laughs) You know, um, our situation is entirely different than that widow's. I mean, we shop at Costco. We shop at Sam's Club. Some of us have freezers filled with food from the summer garden. We find ourselves complaining not that we don't have any food to eat. We, what do we do? We find ourselves complaining that I'm sick of eating the same thing I have been eating. You mean there's still more turkey left? There's still more stuff? I'm still eating this? That's, those are our problems. <laughs> um, when we say that we need new shoes, like we need new shoes, We don't need new shoes, right? You just need new shoes for the new outfit that you have or the new style or the new season. That's what we need. Um, When we say we need new clothes, it's not that your your closet has nothing in it. It's that you're sick of wearing the things that are in it. And, you know, my friend, she's seen me wear this about five times already. I have nothing to wear. Oh, yeah, right. Nothing to wear. You know the kind of world we live in? We have enough uh, capital and money that almost all of us not only build a home for ourselves, but we also build little houses uh, for our cars that they live in called garage. Do you know how, how blessed we are? to be able to have houses for our cars. (laughs) This past week, or maybe this coming week, you've you've decorated for Christmas. You know how blessed we are? (laughs) We buy boxes full of stuff that we store for 10 or 11 months a year and bring it out for one or two months a year because we have so much. I wonder if the widow of Zarephath had any decorations. And yet in spite of all that, and and I'm I'm singing to the choir here, I'm speaking to myself as well. Um, In spite of all that, we struggle with discontentment more than we find ourselves being grateful. In spite of that, we, on the, the day that we give thanks as a nation, the, the next day we spend billions and billions of dollars getting all the things that we don't have yet or that we need. Right after the day that we're thankful. You know what it's like sometimes? Here's what I think it's like. I think what it's like for me is that it's like we're living at mom and dad's house. And we're so used to having food in the pantry and the laundry done and socks in the drawer and the gas in the car that we really don't know what it's like not to live at mom and dad's house. I think that's what it's like for Americans every single day, including me. What's my point? Not that we should go to work on Monday and ask for a pay cut so that we can experience what it's like not to have as much. That's not my point. My point is not that you shoot for low goals for your career so as to take a vow of poverty in life. That's not my point. My point is not that you should feel guilty that you have things. Because actually, feeling guilty for what you have actually is arrogance, because that would be putting too much onus on, wow, look at what I have, as opposed to blessed as to what God has given me. So don't feel guilty about what you have. God gave it to you anyway. Here's my point. We need to be people who every morning wake up and realize how blessed we are. That even though we don't have to go to the jar and see, hmm, I hope there's oil in here. That we have something better. That we went to bed knowing that there was oil there and flour there. That in fact, our next fill-in. We are so unlike the widow. She was thankful for just enough we have more than just enough. How blessed we are to have more than just enough. Now, some of you still may not be feeling thankful for the earthly blessings that you have because it was a really rough year for one reason or another. Um, That's okay. But let me read for you a verse from the uh, little-known prophet Habakkuk. Uh, These are some words that I've read before on Thanksgiving, just because they're some of my my favorite in all the Bible for perspective. Chapter 3, verse 17, Habakkuk writes, Though the fig tree doesn't bud, and there's no grape on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And then here's the key. How? Because I will be joyful in God, my Savior. In the God who saved me. In the God who, even if I had nothing in this life, and I have more than enough, has given me eternity. I'd like us to close by just dwelling on that God who saves us for a second. And To do that, I want to share uh, what I have read to be a true story. It's uh, about a man named John Griffith. Maybe some of you actually have heard this story before. Um, it happened in 1937. Um, John Griffith was a bridge controller um, on the Mississippi River. In 1937, uh, he brought his eight-year-old son, Greg, to to come and to hang out with him for the day. Um, I don't know if he got him out of school, you know, go see what dad does for the day. Probably not. But anyway, he was with his dad for the day. And they just had a great time. Uh, Greg was interested in trains. Dad loved sharing with his son trains. They had a great relationship. It was just a perfect dad and son day. And so lunchtime came around, and they walked... uh, through the the catwalk up to an observation deck, and they ate lunch there. Beautiful lunch, just talking as a dad and a son would do, having a great time. In fact, they lost track of time, as the the account goes, and a whistle blew. A train was coming. The bridge was up. It was 1 o'clock, and John had lost track of time. So he says, Greg... You stay here on the observation deck. I'm gonna run to the control room so I can make sure that we get the bridge down in time. So he runs, and as he goes out of sight, Greg, who's only eight years old again, is a little bit scared as he's way high on this observation deck. The the mighty, cold, black Mississippi River is below him. And he decides, you know what? I'm gonna go follow dad. I'm gonna go to the control room too. And so he walks to the control room. He tries to get there. And as dad is in the control room looking uh, one last time to see if there's any ships coming, making sure that there's not before he closes the bridge as the train is approaching, as the account goes, he looks and he sees his son stuck in the gears of the bridge. he had fallen through the catwalk and he had he was stuck. Now, here's what is at the dad's disposal. There's 400 people or so people on the train. His son is stuck. He has two choices. Neither of them are good. Either save his son or save the train. And as the account goes, it says that he he looked away and the hardest thing he ever did is he closed that bridge and saved the 400 people on board. And, and it says that as he looked at the people in and through the window, as you might expect, they were just reading their papers. They were just sleeping, whatever you do on a train, totally oblivious, totally unaware of the sacrifice that had just been made. As you know, God did the same thing for us in an even more major way. The father with this choice. Either my son dies or the world dies. And a part of us gets a little bit frustrated with the people on the train being sort of unaware, just going on with their business. We may not be unaware, but I think sometimes we just go on with our business. We need a new perspective. We need a refreshed, renewed perspective how blessed we are with the things that God has given us in this life. And what an amazing gift and sacrifice that Jesus, God's Son, made for us on the cross that we might be his forever. So as we close, I have one little application for you. I pray that you are refreshed in the knowledge of how blessed you are and that that has spurred on some thankful today. So now what? Fill in number four. I want you to ask yourself this question this week. How can I use what I have to bring God glory? Most of the time, we dwell on what we want or what we don't have. Let's spend this week just sort of marinating and thankful. And let's ask a different question. I have so much. How can I use what he's given me? And how can I use it to his glory? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are the giver of all things. And we thank you that you have given us so much. Lord, we confess that at times we take for granted the blessings of living in this country, in this area, that we are, even the, the, the poorest of us, have an overwhelming amount of abundance. Dear Lord, first and foremost, we thank you again for the sacrifice of your Son and the love that you showed in order for that sacrifice to be made. Help us to uh, revel, to remember it every day, to not get used to that sacrifice, but to daily be thankful for it. We pray all this in your Son's name and also pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread